You are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. All right, welcome back to uh, the second part we just called the technical episode. Technical. <laughs> Due to technical difficulties, we need to add this into its own section. It's the Broadway Techie Awards. <laughs> Very, very important. We My very, niece is a sound designer, so it's very important. It's very important. And you know what's so funny is that when we sit down to talk about this, it's sort of like there's a, a really great opportunity for people who, like I always tell folks when they listen to this ridiculous sometimes podcast, that when I bring guests that are not necessarily actors or or um, actresses, that people should pay note to what they do because they all have careers in the theater mm. that are not necessarily those on the stage. And so, and the thing is, have vibrant, long-running careers, Jules Fisher. You know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely. Doing what they do. And so I love to talk about that because sometimes, you know, sitting at home watching the Tony Awards, which is going to be happening on June 10th here on CBS, starting, I guess, at 8 p.m. Central Eastern Time, Um if you're somebody who wants to make costumes or has that kind of energy growing up and you're watching the Tony Awards and you realize <laughs> that it's all actors and actresses and musicians, it kind of makes you feel like there's not a place for you. And so... Yeah, but without that, there is no show. You no need show. that costume. And, and, and the thing with well, the lighting and the sound, unless it goes wrong, you don't pay attention to it. Well, I mean, you know, but that's the reason why I, I've always said, too, like when I've had the opportunity to have folks like you as a playwright on the show, and I'm back again with my friend Greg Allen. Shout out, Greg. Hey. hey. He's got a play that he is circulating, a one-act play that he's also using as a teaching tool for our country to get their shit together when it comes to dealing with the LGBT people and stop bothering us and let us do our shit and go on with our day. But that's another thing. Yeah. Look that up <laughs> on another podcast. <laughs> because right now it's about the Tonys. Exactly. And the technical And I don't people, have one. And we don't have one. We're going to get one one day, honey. <laughs> and so we're going to take you through the more... I guess the 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 awards that happened during the commercials that I found out this year on the Tony, yeah, which is a little on the shade wa tip, but whatever, you know, I get it. If they're I would important to them, us, they're important to everybody that has a life in the theater. Because if you really want to have a career in the theater, these are people that you're going to have to ultimately wind up working with on one level mm -hmm. or another, and so. I think it's wonderful that they're being recognized, and I hope that people will pay attention to what they're doing. So we're going to start off with the best scenic design of a play. Miriam Buther for Edward Albee's Three Tall Women, Jonathan Fensom, Farinelli and the King, Christine Jones, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Parts 1 and 2, Santo Locuasto, Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh, and Ian McNeil and Edward Pierce for Angels in America. Does well, anything jump out at you? As well, you can Angels remember? in America set I loved, but that's because I, that whole thing with the apartment with Ray, Ray, like I, it was amazing. Like that stuff was great. Um, I had not seen any of the other categories, so it makes it difficult for me to say who I think would be best. But Santa Laquasto, of course, just won last year for Hello Dolly, right? But was it for costumes or scene? Because he does both. He does both. That's right. So you know, there's that. Um, I feel like for scenic design of a play, I mean, you know, everyone is really excited about Harry Potter and the Curse. And I'm, I'm sure that there's a whole lot of you great know stuff it's going gotta on. look probably pretty amazing. So I, I would say on spec. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Because I and I won't even get to see that. My tickets are for summer, so I won't see until, see until after afterwards. The Tony's. Is gonna be for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And you know what? 
that's you and know, that just I goes know. to show I couldn't get tickets till summer. So that shows you how well that show's doing. It's doing all right. <laughs> so hmm, the best scenic design of a musical got Dane Laffrey for Once mm, on This Island. Nice. Scott Pask, the band's visit. Scott Pask, Finn Ross, and Adam Young for Mean Girls. Michael Jergen for My Fair Lady, and David Zinn for SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. Scott's um, use of video images and, mm-hmm. and projections is really very cool in Mean Girls, I will say. Having just seen that last week, that's, right. that's the one closest to my mind. But I loved the environment created by Once on the Island. Right. I just... Uh, you know, and I'm telling you, that... Damn set for My Fair Lady for his apartment, that house that Higgins has. When it just comes rolling out at you, it's like, wow. It was, again, beautiful. But I I feel like as far as something that really brought me into the space, I'm going to have to go with SpongeBob. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know you. (laughs) Because it was everything. It was, and I, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I am all about once on this island right. for anybody to start writing and getting shady with me. But when I'm talking about what what I saw, like I loved everything that they did with once on this island. I yeah. love the way that the circle of the square is set up. I love how it's like they sweep up the sand. They walk in sand, which would be bothering my feet the whole every show. Every time, not really, because it's a very good exfoliator. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that cat's got some smooth feet. I'm sure by now. Um, but I feel like this is going to be Michael Jurgen. It's going to be Michael Jurgen. Mm, okay. I really, really think it's going to be him. I'm going to shoot and pray for Dane, but I'm feeling like it's going to be um, Michael. I want it to be David Zinn, but I think it's going to be Michael. Mm. Um, best costume design of a play. We've got Jonathan Fensom for Farinelli and the mm. King. Nice ones. Nikki Gillibrand, Angels in America. Katrina Lindsay, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child 1 and 2. Anne Roth for Edward Albee's tall, Three Tall Women. And Anne Roth again for Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh. It's usually what jumps out at people the most if, you, if someone's doing period and they have to construct all of mm-hmm. those. I mean, I'm going to go somewhere between Harry Potter and Farinelli just because of the way those period and so integral and the, costumes. And the fa- well, period and fantasy. And fantasy, right. Has to match and mix. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think that it probably will be something with Farinelli and the King just because it'll be one of those ones that, you know, no one's going to see anyway, mm. so it. Really and, anyway, and it's closed. And it's closed. Um, the best costume design of a musical, shady but true. <laughs> Greg Barnes, Mean Girls. Clint Ramos, Once on this Island. Anne Roth, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. This woman is busy. <laughs> David Zinn, SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. And Catherine Zuber, My Fair Lady. Now, you got to tell me that My Fair Lady wow. costumes must be amazing. They the have to be. Costumes are gorgeous. The costumes are gorgeous. Because I think costumes for that show. You know, what any, and it's, the thing is, is that, again, when you think Lincoln Center and you think revival, you know they're going to give you the absolute best on every level of that so that you can be completely immersed in whatever period they're trying to take you in. Right. Catherine Zuber, girl. Okay. I mean, I I didn't. I can't say anything about Anne Roth and Carousel because I've not seen. Eh, didn't do it for me. Um, but Anne Roth's up against herself in three places. In three places. <laughs> you know, she's like a regular William Ivy Long, <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, best lighting design of a play. Neil Austin, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts one and two. Paul, Constable, Angels in America. Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower. Hello. Um, Eugene O'Neill's Iceman Cometh. Paul Russell, Farinelli and the King. And Ben Stanton, Stanton for Junk. I love when lighting really adds so much to a scene and, mm-hmm. they, and people can do things with lights to 
change our perception on something instead of just, oh, wasn't that a lovely sunrise behind them? Yeah. So I always think in those terms with lighting. Well, I've not seen The Iceman Cometh, but Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower are basically, you know, they're the, royalty. The gods, right. There's lighting design royalty. So, I, you know, I'm sure that there's one there for them. But I got to say, um, having seen Angels in America, I was very wowed by what they were doing with it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I, I wish they would have done was that the, the angel would have flown in. That's the only thing I would have oh. wanted the angel to have done that would have been dramatically right. weird and fabulous. But other than that... Um, and I can only bet that Harry Potter has fantastic lives. It, it, well, it doesn't have a choice. Right. <laughs> so I'm sure, if anything, that would be the one that might actually win-win. But I feel like, uh, you know, Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower, they're just... They're name staples. So. Harry might actually take some of these technical ones. Though, right. Because we didn't talk a lot previously uh, with mm, Harry yeah. walking away with anything. Yeah, because. acting and things. For the acting, because I don't know if people are going to really. They'll go see it anyway. Right. But so this I don't might be like where them. they get their, their due. This is where they're going to get their due. So now, best lighting design of a musical. Kevin Adams, SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower, Once on this Island. Donald Holder, My Fair Lady. Brian McDivitt. Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel, and Tyler Mikulow, The Band's Visit. Um, I'm going to have to go with Kevin Adams, the SpongeBob. With with cool lighting. Yeah, with a lot, uh, a heavy second for Jules and Peggy for Mm. Once on this Island, just because Mm -hmm. we're Once on this Island, David Tates. Once on this Island did a lot of cool things with lights Mm -hmm. from... The scrim and all sorts of things. So, yeah. so it's going to be great. So that's fabulous. Now, the best sound design of a play, we have Adam Cork for Travesties, Ian Dickinson for Autograph, Angels in America, huh. <laughs> Gareth Fry, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Parts 1 and 2, Tom Gibbons, 1984, Don Moses Schreier for Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh. This is the only thing 1984 was um, nominated for, and the sound was incredible in that play. Yeah. I'm surprised that it didn't get a lighting design option, because no, yeah. they, they, they did some really interesting things. They did things. some really interesting things. And then they were doing a lot of video work with yep. the, the camera. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I particularly, the piece itself disturbed me beyond, but it was like, I don't know if that was something I needed to see. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I saw it, but I, you know... I really, I, I did love his sound design, though. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. I have not seen Travis Caesar or Harry Potter. I think that ultimately it's going to be a Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, Angels in America tug of war for that, for sound design. But I'm going to probably go with Gareth Fry for Harry Potter. Best sound design of a musical. We've got Kay Harada, Band's Visit. Peter Hylinski, Once on this Island. Scott Lehrer, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. Brian Ronan for Mean Girls and Walter Trar back and Mike Dobson for SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. I needed Brian Ronan to turn the sound down in Mean Girls. These girls are belting their lungs out mm-hmm. and it would get into the top of the register. And I was way back in the mezzanine and it, my ears were bleeding. Just saying. Wow. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, Walter Trarback and Mike Dobson and SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. Their sound design is what really makes a lot of the show happen. Well, there I'm you go. I'm telling you, you will be so surprised when you see what what they're what things that they're responsible for making happen mm-hmm. sound wise throughout the whole run. It's amazing, just amazing, just amazing. But all right, and you're you're Mean Girls, no? I'm no on Mean Girls. I think. 
You know, I would. I, I'm going to go once on this island. With once that on one. this island. All yep. Right. For best sound Now we have best orchestrations: John Clancy for Mean Girls, Tom Kitt, SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical, Anne Marie Malazzo and Michael Starobin for Once on This Island, Jamshid Sharifi for The Band's Visit, Jonathan Tunick for Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. It was my favorite part of Carousel: the orchestrations, hearing the orchestra, mm-hmm. the glorious sound. I just, I have to go with Jonathan on that one. Now, this is where I'm going to say that I think that Tom Kitt should win, and I'm going to tell you why. He had to put it all. He had to take all of those different genres of music that those people were giving to him, and not only orchestrated in such a way that it matched the orchestra, but orchestrated in such a way that the whole score sounds like it was the same group of people. The same, you know, like you think of Candor and Ebb, like you would think that there was just a book writer or, or a music and a lyric person because of the way that he seamlessly put the orchestra. Well, he is a together. composer, and he is a composer, and he's a nice guy too. For and listening, he has his own shows too. Exactly. Go listen to them. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> don't don't let this be the deciding factor. You know, he was working. He probably had a car payment or something. Um, but I think that what he did as far as orchestrating, like to me, he took pop music people and made a seamless sounding score. Wow, that's nice. And I think that that's, if you're going to look at it from a skills perspective, mm-hmm. to me that was a genius move on his part. Although, again, I'm once on this island, so I don't care. <laughs> but I think that honestly, and if people were going to be honest about what an orchestrator would have to do in terms of how difficult the job is to put it together and make that's it work. That's a great work, way to look at and it. And make yeah. it seamless, then it's going to be Tom Kitt for me. I like that. If not, I, I would say that Once on this Island will get it just because we just said that. All right. Now, best choreography. Mm-hmm. Christopher Gatelli, My Fair Lady. Oh, well, look at this. Christopher Gatelli, <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. Stephen Hoggett. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Parts 1 and 2, Casey Nicola, Mean Girls, and Justin Peck for Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. Now, what I do know is from having seen this last thing on Sunday morning this morning on CBS, that Justin Peck is like a young choreographer. He's like 30 or something. Like, turned out the American Ballet. It was... Glorious? Oh, my God. Is it like... Is it glorious, kind of like American in Paris? Absolutely. That's what it's like. Because they brought the people from the ballet in there. To tell And the even story. the way they were casting it, and mm-hmm. it, it was all about the dance. Wow. Wow. So, uh, you know. Now, some again, say he goes too far, but I happen to love it as a non-dancer. I was way into it. Well, I mean, you know, the thing about... Um, the ba- using the ballet as part of a storytelling thing, like it didn't come together for me until I saw a, an American in Paris. And then you realize what an interesting piece oh. that you could add to that. But then yeah. what a hard work that is for you if you're, you know, not, not Leanne Cope. You right, know what I'm right, saying? right. <laughs> or Robert Fairchild, who I saw last night. I didn't get a chance to interview him. But, you know, there there he's is. He's one of my boyfriends, too. He doesn't yeah, know he it. He doesn't know it either. <laughs> oh, my God. He's a dream, too. And you know that butt is. Anyway, so he. He is actually there is an American in Paris movie that's coming. Now I'm I saw it and I'm under embargo to not talk about the actual film itself. I Based guess on the stage musical, the stage musical was recorded, but they did it out of London instead of here. Oh, I saw it in Paris first, and then I saw it on Broadway. Right, yeah, and they did it. They they recorded it uh, out of the London cast. Wow. Okay. And I just have to tell you that it was one of the best 
film to stage kind of adaptational moments for film for me oh, nice. because yeah. you really do get to see the dancing okay. the dancing is amazing and it's just it's very MGM like when you look yeah, at it it's yeah, like yeah. a living MGM musical That's you will get that from Carousel you really do okay alright yeah. okay the, you know I, I love that but I got to tell you who are you going with Spongebob Spongebob because Christopher Catelli had them children working you hear me those children and that show are dancing for their lives. You hear me? <laughs> I don't know what Casey Nicola does because Casey, he's another one that puts them through their right. paces and I'm sure he's a genius at this. But I got to tell you, Gatelli had me hopping. By the time you get to Squidward's big tap dance number, you're going to be just falling out. It's interesting with Gatelli up against himself. For By Fair Lady because there's, there's two different genres. So different and will somebody go, oh, we want to vote for him here. No, we want to vote for him. Is he going to split his own vote? Hmm. Eh. But, I mean, you know, they'll split their vote And, and then Justin Peck will get it. And then Justin Peck <laughs> will get it. But if he does, he's going to be like one of the younger ones, right, yeah. that will have yeah. won it. But, you know, Casey Nicola is just crying to the bank anyway because Casey Nicola right now, just alone right now, has Aladdin on Broadway. He's got Aladdin in Australia. Right. He's got Aladdin in the West End. He's got Dream, Dream Girls, Girls in, in the, the West, West End. End, which is probably going to be coming here. So, and then he's also got The Prom that's going to be coming later on this season ah, with Beth Level and Christopher yeah. Siebert. So he's busy, busy, busy. He's got things going on. So if he wins, it would be wonderful because, you know, we live for him. He <laughs> got his money, his due for um, Book of Mormon. But I, I Something think Rotten was his. Something Rotten was his. So I think that there's the chance that he could possibly get a, another one. Hmm. But I really feel like Christopher Gatelli for SpongeBob should win. Uh, I, d I looked at, saw what they did with Justin Peck, and I can totally see why they would want to, to do right. that as well. And if you want, I guess I wouldn't be upset about that. But I'm I'm going to go Gatelli, SpongeBob. All right. Where are you now? You're, are we ready for directors? Yes. Let's do it. Direction of a play. We've got Marion Elliott for Angels in America, Joe Mantello for Edward Albee's Three Tall Women, Patrick Marber for Travesties, John Tiffany, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Parts 1 and 2, and George C. Wolfe for Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh. Can we talk about Joe Mantello's career? Amazing. He started as an actor, and then he just became this director that everyone wanted Once. to work with. Mm -hmm. That's genius of being who he is. Yeah, yeah. they talk about him in the um, Terrence McNally documentary because they fought for him to be able to do Love, Valor, Compassion when he directed that. Wow. And there were plenty of other bigger names that could have done it, and Terrence wanted him, and that really... Because he was in wow. Angels in America... Wow. And then he directed that one. So um, what a career. He's, what a he directs every career. season, I feel like. He's... It feels like he directs a season and performs a season. Yeah. Because he was in The Glass Menagerie last season right. as an actor. But then didn't he have he something? He did Normal Heart. Normal Heart he directed, before that. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry, he was in. Acting. I know, that's right. He acted yeah. in Normal Heart. Yeah. So he takes the time to kind of pop in and out just because I guess he keeps his skills fresh. Because right now, his other play that he's got that's coming is The Boys in the Band. Right. And that's Which I have open. my tickets for that. <gasps> I need to get that on the on the sticker. But anyway, I I feel like it's going to possibly be John Tiffany's because everybody's yeah. going nuts about what's happening over there. I think you're probably there. right. Or Marion Elliott if they're going to continue the trend of worshiping that show again, like it did when it came when over the first time around. Because the, the Olivier's gave her one as well. Um, and now, dun, 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 best direction of a musical. We've got Michael Arden for Once on this Island, David Cromer for The Band's Visit, Tina Landau, SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical, 
Casey Nicola, Mean Girls, and Bartlett Share, My Fair Lady. And you probably I've seen could, all but one of these. Yeah, you could really give a reason for each, each one, one of, of these in a, in, a, in, a, in a different way. Like, Michael Arden is just a genius in what he does and creates and his vision right. of what he did to Once on this Island and what he did to Spring Awakening. I mean, he has that vision. Yeah. Um, which is exciting. But then, you know, you keep talking about SpongeBob. Tina had to probably really work and work on that one. She... I have to say that what she did to make that show palpable and excitable, I should say, really, for someone like me, mm-hmm. who I am so not the target demographic yeah, of that yeah, yeah. show, says a lot about what she had to do and what she managed to do. Because I'm a cynical CNX Tuesday like the rest of us, you know? Right. And, and I did. I made my face up when I heard SpongeBob the musical. I frowned up my face. I'm like, really, America? <laughs> I sucked my teeth. That's just so oof. <laughs> and they came out there, oh my God! <laughs> you know, so they won. <laughs> the, yeah. The terrorist won, you know. No, but they won because she put together something that I certainly did not expect. The band's visit, like I said, I was, you know, like it's, I, it's I would blame him. It's the only artsy thing it's very, on here. Ve- that's the art. It's very artsy. Yeah. And that, that allows me now to not hate on it so much. But it's, it's an artsy piece. Right. And I... Don't tend to gravitate well towards artsiness unless it's got artsy. Some is an acquired taste. Yes, you just need a little bit on your palate. Just a little. You don't need to have a whole ninety minutes of it. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you know, shout out to David Yazbek for a wonderful score that I know he's going to win for. Hmm. Um, but Michael Arden for Once on the Island, David Crummer, the band's visit. We've said these people before. Yeah, um, Mean Girls. Like I said, it's just it's fun. Is it, you know, oh my God? No, it's not. It's just a fun night of theater. So I, I'll be I interested don't know if we... to say, see what you say after you see My Fair Lady, only right. because, like I said, it was sheer perfection from the beginning. And all that's, that's the what way he to brings the to the table with every revival. All the way to the end. There was not one false note, not one cheesy British accent that you'd be like, really? There was not. One ounce of that in that show. I mean, whatever fat may have been on that show, and it's a two and a half hour something, something, you know what I mean? Even with that, it was lean mm. and it was beautiful and it was, the story was told very well. It's like, it just was a wonderful thing. It was a delightful, you know, it's one of those revivals that I'm I'm sad that it's up against Once on this Island. Right. But I'm glad that it, I got to see it as well. Are you going with him? I'm going to probably go with Bartlett. I'm probably going to go with Bartlett. And I want I Michael know, to win. I, I just Michael don't know if he will. I, want, I would like Michael to win, but I think the Academy is going to give it to Bartlett again. Because, again, the show itself you know, got some cute love with right. Lauren and Norbert. Mm-hmm. And that's Nor, Norm, is it Norbert, Lauren. Um, they, did they get orchestrations, too? They didn't get orchestrations? No. They didn't get orchestration. Um and Best Revival and Best Director. So those are the four awards that it wound up getting, right? They got 10 nominations for My Fair Lady. But it's all in the other places yeah. that, yeah. You know, but not the big ones. That right. Like. Well, wow. Did we go there through we all of them? It. We went through everything. We got the technical awards? Yeah. All right. Well, again, tune in on June 10th to CBS Sunday night at 8 o'clock, I believe, Eastern Standard Time, and catch the Tony Awards hosted by... Josh Groban and Sarah Bareilles, and yes, I did snicker in between saying that because 
y'all heard my opinion before in the last hour. I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> you know, if that's what they want to give us, yeah, I guess we got to take it and hope the musical numbers pep us up in between because I don't find them very. I don't. I'm staring at you like, and you're looking at me like, Queen, <laughs> girl, they gonna come after you, girl. It's like I don't care because I, I don't think anybody. How do I say this? As many people of color that have been nominated for awards this year, to have the two whitest people in America mm. hosting it, kind of feels weird. I see. No yeah. flavor. No flavor. flavor. They've taken out any flavor. And, and, you know. I'm mad that you went all the way with the LL Cool J because that was way too far over. Yeah. Not that he... No, he shouldn't have been there. <laughs> so I was trying to find a way for him. He's only there because he works on CBS. Um, right, but like, right. But, but to, to fill that with people that have no real gravitas and no real pop sensibility in terms of their time on theater, like in the world of theater, people know them because they're popular, not because they're popular, they're doing theater. Because Sarah Bareilles is popular, now she's doing theater. Sure. Josh Groban was popular, and now he's going back to the theater. And I and and again, I didn't see The Great Comet. I heard it was absolutely wonderful spectacle of, of something, but that's only one, brother. And I saw it, and I was kind of like, hmm? I was in your, mm-hmm. it's a little too much for me. It's like, you know. In the artsy in the artsy part but i mean (laughs) this year the nominations i you know i'm not surprised and also too this year too before we go we need to make sure to talk about the folks that are getting the special Special, tony honors yes yes and this year it is for the special tony awards for the lifetime achievement in theater it's cheetah rivera and Uh. andrew lloyd weber y'all know how much i love me some cheetah oh yeah it's i mean again She's just living right now on achievement awards at this point. She's just constant. She just shows up and there's they're giving her stuff. So it's a good thing for her. Lord Weber deserves. That. And Lord That's Weber good. deserves it. And look for Lord Weber because they're going to have a piece. I think it Paper Mill this fall. It's like the first new musical of the Paper Mill, and it's going to be a retrospective of all. Oh of his right, work. right, right. And then special Tony awards going to John Leguizamo and Bruce Springsteen, which is very cool. You know, regional theater Tony award goes to the La Mama ETC mm. here in New York City. Wow. Oh, that's oh, kind of that's kind of different. Now that they waited till she's been dead, Isabel Stevenson. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Isabel Stevenson Tony Award. What does that go for? The Isabel Stevenson Award. Yeah, what is that? I, I don't remember what that's for. They don't have it written on here. Well, it's going to Nick Scandalios. <laughs> I guess we should have looked these people up before we started yes. saying hi. We're very <laughs> happy for you, Nick. But Nick, go on, Nick. And then the Tony Honors for Excellence in the Theater. These are the teachers. These are for the teachers. Sarah Krulwich, Bessie Nelson, and Ernest Windsor Cleaners. And as theater geeks growing up, we applaud you. Yes, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for y'all. <laughs> we learned Pippin when we were supposed to. <laughs> Well, and thank you for having... I think this is my third year doing this with yes, you. Yes, so. and this was fun. And again, you know... This is the time, you know, we are now at the end of the season, basically. this We're done. Yeah. And this is the, the moment when everybody has their moments of reflection in terms of what they got to see. And it's always a really great time to be in New York City around this mm-hmm. time. So I'm looking forward to catching up with you because we need to catch up about what we didn't see. And hopefully we will have seen them before the right. Tonys. And if we can, we'll pop in the studio and give a little moment. And if y'all are following us and loving what us. What time is it? Can I go see SpongeBob now? <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) 
You better go see. I say I recommend now try to catch it during a matinee so there's not many kids. I know. But it is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. So you know what? Again, I always tell everybody, go enjoy theater wherever you're living and wherever you have access to it because it is one of those few things that I think that we have left now where we're going to get the chance to express whatever we have to express. There's, yeah. Because those things are slowly being taken away from us or they're all going into our phones. Right. So, you know, any chance that you can go out and see a live performance, it is worth it. It is one of those things that is magical. And you and I, Greg, we get the luxury of being in New York City and being able to see all of these great things and right. see, see here, you know, what they hear about in some other place we're seeing and experiencing and we get that luxury. And it's a wonderful opportunity for both of us to get to share that with people that are listening. So this is, you know, come to New York, go find Greg, get Gregory G. Allen, uh, Greg G. Allen at um, Greg G. Allen. Gregory G. Allen dot net. Does it dot com or dot com? Okay. Gregory G. Allen dot com. He's got this wonderful play that he's got out that is going to be part of a... I think it's going to be an educational tool. And I like the idea that you're choosing to use it as an educational tool to talk about what's happening right now. And it's hiding in daylight. That's it. Look at that. Thank St- you, so Nothing. I know. Going on. <laughs> and he's got more about that. So if you are an organization that is looking to have that kind of conversation, then this is the perfect way to, like the entree. Absolutely. Use live theater. Use live theater because people telling the stories is how people really relate. Yep. So... Cool. Happy Tonys. Happy Tonys. And we will see you all again. Yay. Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and now Mixcloud.